Chelsea. And this is Andy. Welcome to Hugging and Learning, the podcast on which we watch whatever we feel like that day <laughs> and then tell you about it and maybe try to discern some sort of lesson from it sure. if there's time. Yep. Today, I feel like actually this is, a, we'll call this a very special episode. This feels like a, re- a return to a very back special to our episode. Roots, yeah. Yeah. Um, today, we are going to watch season seven, episode 24 of Different Strokes. The episode title is A Special Friend. The writers are Bob Brunner and Ken Hecht, and it originally aired on May 4th, 1985. Oh, Chelsea, I've got a very special You Wrote What today. <gasps> oh my gosh, I can't it's, wait. It is. It's, let's say it's noteworthy. No, that's not a clue. Hold on. Let's just say you'll figure it out. All right. So Bob Brunner and Ken. He wrote the notebook. No. What? You said it was noteworthy. So I thought. No, that's good. That was a good guess. My clue. I was trying to be like sinister, like a Bond villain. Like it'll be Uh noteworthy, Uh but it it won't be. Um, Yeah. Yes, so Bob Brunner and Ken Hecht wrote together a bunch of times, including an episode of Webster. Now, Chelsea, I wonder if you can guess what the title will entail when I tell you the description of the show, of this episode. Okay. Are you ready? Put your thinking cap on. Yep. Webster tries to save the life of a racehorse because it can't compete anymore. They kill Websters, don't they? No, very, very close. They don't shoot horses, do they? Oh! Which which brings our inappropriate they shoot horses, don't they reference count up to a solid four. That's four references. Again, four out of what should be zero. Zero. Kids don't know that movie. No one should. It's very depressing. Okay. Yes, these two wrote that episode. I have a snack today. I'm going to segue to go. Because go, go, go. I feel like this snack is a snack that was developed for and marketed toward people who would enjoy a they shoot horses, don't they reference, meaning yeah. uh, the elderly. Um, I saw Mine this in the store. also a bit like that. <gasps> Ooh, yeah. Theme. Yeah, we've got themed. We've got <laughs> Dust Bowl themed <laughs> today. I saw this in the store and I was like, what? So, you know, that's usually how I operate, sure. picking snacks. Yeah. This is... Butter rum flavored lifesavers. Oh no, no, you're not fucking with that. That shit's awesome. Butter I love rum. butter rum. I love butter Life, rum ice cream. But butter rum lifesavers sound like it's gonna be like a Werther's original or something, right? It's pretty close. It's pretty close. It's a little bit more ridiculous, if I remember correctly. Because mm-hmm. we used to get like lifesavers packs oh. that had like all of the lifesavers. Like it's not there's not a ton going on there. It was like here's basically mints and here's just a lifesaver pack with all red ones. Mm-hmm. Isn't that fun? And then fucking butter rum, which you fought <gasps> everybody. Oh my gosh, I can't get. wait. All right, I'm so excited. What have you got? Okay, I I this uh, in in continuation of our Josh Miller uh, Memorial Snack Time Hour, except he's still alive, and also in continuation of our Depression Era Snacks um, theme for today, uh, Josh sent me from uh, New Zealand. I don't 
I don't know what the title is on these because it's all, I guess the company is Health Discovery. And the title of this snack is Superfood Nutrient Crackers. Uh-huh. And then I guess that the flavor is four seeds, turmeric and cumin. Oh, that could be good. I don't like turmeric. Oh. Is one of the big problems here. But don't worry, Chelsea. If you're on any sort of diet ever, this is for you because it's gluten-free, low-carb, vegan, and paleo. All and right. It's just so it's sand. And, it's made of sand. Well, here, let me read this uh, description that'll get you in the mood for snacking. A source of protein, fiber, magnesium, and omega-3. There we go. Oh, man, that does sound scrumptious, doesn't it? All right. Well, here, take a, take a, can you take a look at these? Yeah, they look like yeah. office supplies. Continue. <laughs> they look like what we'll be eating in the future, uh, according to Ray Bradbury in some stories that rations. go very well. Rations. All right, let's. All right, let's uh, let's yeah. get the snack. Oh, 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 Listeners at home won't be privy to the emotional mime show that I just put on, <laughs> where I put it in my mouth and immediately, like, a depression set in. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if you noticed it, there was a moment where I looked to either side of me and then looked even more depressed. That's when I was like, I can't spit this out anywhere, can I? Oh, no. Look, no. they're not bad. They taste almost like, this is where it's, this is the problem. Bad snacks, just bad, and you're like, wow, this really stinks. I'll have to get through it. These almost taste like graham crackers, a treat I have not been able to enjoy since I quit sugar. Uh, no, I'd fucking, I would stab somebody in the eye for a graham cracker right now. Don't don't worry about it. No, that's what I'm saying. Um, that's that's some, somehow sadder. It's like at the very, it it's like at 10 minutes before the end of an Arthur Miller play where it seems like everything's going to work out and everybody's going to be happy, yeah. and then something mm-hmm. even worse than you can imagine happens, and that's and why it's a tragedy. And then you remember that you're... Yeah, you remember you're at a play and you're like, ugh, depressing. Well, it's just like that's the genius I'm, of I Arthur know. Miller. That's why it's super depressing because there is a moment where you think it's going to all work out and then it doesn't. So this is the Arthur Miller equivalent of a snack. Well, l- luckily, this snack uh, is like Arthur Miller in reverse because it only felt like it was going to work out for a half a second at the very beginning. Oh, yeah. And um, quickly fell apart. Well, I hate to rub this Thank in. Thank you, but... Josh, by the way. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, Josh. I hate to rub this in, but these lifesavers are bang-a-rang. These are Aren't they so fucking delicious? Good. They taste very rummy. Like, there's definitely a rum emulsion involved somewhere in the process of this. Um, they're way better than Werther's Originals. I'm real, yep. real, real excited to have these in the house. I'm sorry that you're just getting to them now. I've known about these since I was a young lad. Yeah, I'm not chasing a big a hard down the street with a stick. <laughs> I'm not a big hard candy person. I don't really pursue it, you know. But I saw this <laughs> yeah. in the probably in the checkout lane and the grocery store and was like, "Oh, butter rum! I like butter rum ice cream. Let's try this out." Um, so so glad I did. Good. Let's talk about a goddamn episode of television. Let's do it. Okay, so this show, different strokes. We've covered a lot on the 
podcast. I don't need, think we need to deep dive back into the, mm-hmm. you know, what the, sh- the ordinary world is. But suffice it to say, um, Philip Drummond is a businessman living on uh, the Upper East Side of Manhattan. And he has, in the, in the first season, he took in two African-American brothers to live with him and his daughter Kimberly and they've grown up and they in the house and they call him dad. And now there is another little urchin uh, running around that what? he's adopted. Yeah. I thought it was just a friend of Arnold's. Turns out he's another adopted kid named Sam. Sam is white. I um, guess according to the credits, I guess Mr. Drummond has gotten married. And yes. this is and Dixie Carter's wife's... mixed up in this now. Dixie Carter from Designing yeah. Women. <laughs> How did you get mixed up in this Dixie Carter? I was looking at the credits and I was like, I've where's Dixie blackmailed. Carter? But she does not appear, sadly, does not, a, not make an all. appearance in this episode. Um, so now there's little Sam, who's played by uh, uh, Danny, Danny Cooksey, Cooksey, who played Butnick had, on uh, Salute Your Shorts. Yeah. I never knew that was a connection. Like nope. I watched... I knew about Sam. I knew about his role in this show, but I never knew that he was Danny Cooksey of, yes, Butnick and also Terminator 2 Judgment Day fame. There you go. Um, yeah. yeah. So this is the family constellation as we find them now in season seven. Um, so let's jump right into the catalyst. Let's jump right into the call to adventure. I mean, yeah. This yeah. show, the plot of this is so straightforward. It's really, it's kind of more like a PowerPoint presentation than a hero's yeah. journey because it is like, we're just going to present a problem, give you a bunch of data about how people do feel versus how they should feel, and then uh, exactly. problem solved. So, yeah. Well, it's been my mission uh, before we review the granddaddy of all special episodes, the bicycle man, which is a different strokes episode to try to figure out what's what different strokes is doing with themselves before we get into that. <laughs> Why and where and for different strokes? What has occurred? Different strokes. <laughs> what has occurred? Um, and I think that this episode is going to point out one of the biggest problems that different strokes Really, and this is season seven, so they've only got eight seasons. This is it. This is the season finale of season seven. It is. We're going to underline an issue that Different Strokes clearly never got right that makes for a horrible uh, special episode experience. That'll come up in Act Three. So, you know, I, I just tangentially related to my Different Strokes crazy board where I've got red strings going from episode <laughs> yes. picture to episode picture. Uh-huh. There's a definitely an element in here that will, will come up again when we eventually get to uh, Bicycle Man. So yeah, we start in the one, park. One day, Andy, your oh, research sure. will be awarded the Nobel Prize for your unified theory of different strokes. You just hang in there. One day the world will recognize how important Thanks, this is. Thanks, Chelsea. I know that you're being serious with me right now and not condescending at all. 100%. I imagine it'll be something like when Abed proved that uh, Samantha was the boss. Was the boss, yep. I think, I think that'll be it. I'll, I'll think I'll be able to prove that Different Strokes was the most <laughs> special of all special oh. episodes. It was the most but different. But I don't want to give... It <laughs> wasn't the strokiest as well. <laughs> I don't want to give too much away of my research just yes, yet. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's uh, all proprietary tech. So... Yes, yeah, so, sure. so we start in Central Park, um, and we get a Charlie Chaplin-esque street busker, um, mm. and she, her name of Karen, work, work in the tiny mustache only worn by two figures in history, Adolf Hitler yeah. and Charlie Chaplin. 
I'll be honest with you. If you if you rock this while you've got uh, uh, bushy blonde hair and blue eyes, I'm not immediately going, hey, Chaplin. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, at first, I'm like, uh-oh. And then I'm like, nope, that's, she's trying to do, Chelsea, can I just say, I find this show insufferable, <laughs> not different strokes, the show that this woman is putting on, I find it it's detestable. So bad. It's the worst, it's so... it combines the worst parts of mime, stand-up comedy, and begging yeah. into yeah. a thing. <laughs> the worst parts of begging. <laughs> so the, parts, the annoying parts of begging where I'm like, ugh, stick some money. It's so and uncomfortable. Um, unlike a lot of the theater that I immediately that immediately jumps to mind, this is taking place in a park. This is an escapable show. Totally. You just got to walk away. You just have to turn tail and go. But there's somehow yeah. some dumb dummies here who are watching uh, Karen do a Charlie Chaplin tight rock mime. W.C. Fields is in there somewhere. Yeah, it's... Oh, yeah. <sighs> yeah, so she's doing things like um, pretending to walk on a tightrope on the ground, and she later will like pretend to juggle knives and then act like she's hit someone. So it's like a mime that's also talking. Like, all of the props are invisible, but then she's also right. talking the entire time. It's it's not great in terms of like the dramaturgy no. of the act and how this all hangs together and it's very <laughs> schmackty like the stand up comedy parts of it are very like rah, rah, rah. um but yeah, imagine exactly. a person a person that doesn't have like a whole lot of natural charisma um trying to pull that yeah. off it's awkward that's, that's as hell this is not the fault of the actor portraying this uh, whose name I don't remember but she was in a movie called the the day after which is a Steve Gutenberg vehicle about uh, the day after a nuclear war. I saw that. I saw that oh. movie. It was was it a TV movie? I don't remember, but I did. I think see it was that a movie. TV movie. Um, yeah, yeah. So she's. It's not her fault. No, it's all the writing. It's all. It's. Yeah. It's meant to. I guess. Uh, show us a person with this, like a childlike sense of something because uh, sure. <laughs> childlike sense of really bothering me <laughs> because because the kids love it. Arnold and Sam are there and they've apparently been there multiple days because they're like part of the act. She has them kind of like feeding her yeah. joke setups from the audience as though they're, you know, not as though they're just uh, men about town on the street. And sure. then they decide after, sh after they pass the hat around, they decide to uh, go for a soda and a movie. And so they're basically just hanging out with like an unlicensed nanny and yeah, yeah. They're just, I mean, I guess oh. they're, they're wandering around New York on their own. So sure. Whatever. Why, what the fuck it. Yeah. It's like today, if you were like, where were you today, my child? And it's like, I was hanging out with anti-Semitic Elmo at, <laughs> in Times Square. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Cool. City That's kids. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? Right. I hope you have an experience. So there is. Yeah. And by really... the way, these kids are fucking rich. And they are asking the street performer to take them to a movie yeah. and buy them sodas. Yeah. It's like, they're, that's not, this is just okay. Yeah. It's a real interesting head scratcher too, because I can't figure out what the actual call to adventure is. It's got to be somewhere in this scene, but I'm just sort of like, okay, is the call to adventure that they 
are supposed to be friends with this person because they already are like before we start they already are and that's going to yeah. come into jeopardy later but like n- not in this that, scene like yeah. the call to adventure should appear somewhere in this scene and i can't figure out be. what it is so well, congratulations the, the is, i can't even i can't even like throw <laughs> something out this may be the first time in 80 something almost 90 episodes where i'm like look i don't know i just don't know wow well, it's it's not your fault, Chelsea. It was Thanks. except in except in that it's your fault that you chose to try to bring Joseph Campbell into this mm-hmm. in the first place. That is your sorry, fault. JC. Uh, I think you should come up with an alternative um, uh, sort of like a slightly not dumbed down but a trashier version of Joseph Campbell. Call him Joey Jojo Campbell or something <laughs> like that. And it's like the the. The the getting started on things the the time when they talk yeah that's... just like really dumb it all down to like hey and here's the meeting with another character <laughs> yes the, the innermost closet space yeah that sort of thing it's just I mean so the, this is the thing they have this friend she's older than them she's taking them out all the time they talk about how they're not going to see Pinocchio again even though Sam wants to see it because they've already seen it so many times and actually mm-hmm. something that's really cute that happens so you know how we talked about in the pinball episode a video game episode kids can't these kids on this show can't figure out how to fake they can't ad lib like they can't fake talk to each other in any yeah. way that resembles human speech um, little tiny baby Butnick in this episode does a thing where anytime he and uh, Arnold are supposed to be ad-libbing, he ends up speaking in unison with Gary Coleman because he's just mm-hmm. little and he's trying to figure out how to do it. But like, if you watch it, they almost always end up saying the same, like the last couple of words before they get caught up will be in unison because he just is like, oh, that's what we're talking about. And then just starts saying the same thing that Gary Coleman is, is saying. It's really adorable. It's my favorite thing in the worlds of theater and acting is when you have any actor who they have a line that's cut off after another word and they don't think to, to what the rest of the sentence might right, be. Just like come up with in your head. Just any... Yeah. yeah. No. So anytime I see somebody who's like, but you were supposed to. I love that. I love that. And then it's like a solid second later, somebody picks up the line. I'm like, this is fantastic. <laughs> well, this... well, here it's not your fault because it seems as though the issue should be related to their friendship in some way. And eventually it will be. They'll be tasked with being friends with this person despite uh, something that scares them. But in this next scene, their dad is like, hey, stop hanging out with that person. And they're like, okay. Yeah, they go home and dad Philip is like, what'd you do today? And they tell him, oh, we've been hanging out with this uh, our new friend Karen and he's and Karen paid for this and Karen paid for that and he's like well Karen must have quite the allowance and they're like oh yeah Karen's 23 years old and a street performer and their dad's yeah. like um I'm sorry what's happening <laughs> in a moment of true parental concern one of the few we get on this show Philip Drummond is like 23 is too old I mean 
Sam it's is supposed almost. to be seven or eight. Like Sam, the only Maybe. reason Sam's allowed to run around is because Arnold is there. And Gary Coleman, even though he still looks very young, is I mean, he must be supposed to be about 14 or 15 because dad, Philip asks, when's the last time you went on a date? And I was like, oh, right. They can't, you right. know, they can't pretend this show's been on the air for seven years. You know, they can't pretend he's right. like a precocious little kid anymore. So, yeah, the dad is like, you can't hang out with a 23 year old busker. And they're like, all right, well, let's go back one last time and tell her we can't hang out with her. Uh, sure. Which, you know. Or just stop. Yeah, She'll you know, would send that you. message if you didn't go. Um, yeah, it's, they hadn't invented ghosting yet. It's like when, exactly. It's like when you have to tell someone you're giving them the silent treatment so they know that you're giving yeah. them the silent treatment. So they go hey. back to see her. And then we actually get an inciting incident. Scene three of this episode, you know, fully seven minutes in or whatever. Truly. And nothing has gone awry yet. There's a, by the way, subplot. Uh, oh, right. This will be one of two times we mention it. Kimberly is going to fix everybody a French lunch tomorrow. Yeah. The, this is a whole. End. This is all she and Willis are involved in in this entire episode. They send Pearl, the housekeeper, to the store. Yeah, they send their housekeeper to the store with their shopping list. That's how they grocery shop. Yeah. Um, to and get then the as stuff. a fucking joke, Kimberly and Willis are like, "We'll go with you since you're so dumb." It's it's stupid, but yeah. it'll be Chekhov's. Get ready for Chekhov's <laughs> call to pizza later on. That'll come up anyway. So back at back at the park, that's what it. We'll just we'll just center this whole thing on jo, Joey Jojo Campbell's adventure, uh, the hero of a couple faces. <laughs> I felt good about that. Uh, and uh, it's coming up is the first step in the uh, thing. A call call to pizza. Call to pizza. So. They go back to the park, uh, Sam and Arnold, and they're talking to Karen. She does. Uh, we have to sit through another excruciating routine. Um, and then she is talking to them. And as soon as they're about to tell her, our dad says we can't hang out with you anymore. She starts to have a seizure. And Arnold and Sam don't know what's going on. They start screaming. They freak out. Luckily, there are a bunch of people around. And one of them grabs a cop. And the cop turns her onto her side and calls an ambulance. As the boys sort of, like, hold each other and uh, look super freaked out. So let's uh, let's take a second and talk about this. Because I actually remember watching this episode as oh, a youngster. I do remember that because I remember for a while, and I guess around this year, uh, you go look it up, people. I'm not going to research it. There were a lot of episodes about epilepsy and have people who having seizures and things like that in a way that I have to say it really normalized the idea of somebody having a seizure as just something that happens to some people and nothing to freak out about. That's um, good. I've... I have only ever witnessed one person having a seizure, and I remember it was, you know, in my early teen years, and I was like, okay, well, this is just something that happens to make sure there's nothing, and I knew what to do because of television. So uh, we finally, after all of these episodes, we've hit on something that actually taught me a thing at the time. That's awesome. So you turned turn this person onto their side? Did not. That's actually only in this episode that it says to turn somebody on their side. It was make sure that there's nothing uh, that they can hurt themselves with and I think put something under their head. 
Yes. Actually, I did a tiny bit of research about this. There are a lot of common myths about epilepsy, but there are also some uh, agreed upon best practices. And if someone is having seizure, you should definitely turn them onto their side and put something under their head. That's what you should do. You should not put something into their mouth to keep them from swallowing their tongue, which is a thing I've definitely Mm. heard, but knew instinctively that seemed like a terrible idea. Um, First of all, it's physically impossible to swallow your tongue. And um, if you put something into their mouth, they might chip their teeth or puncture their gums or even break their jaw. Um, So you just put them on their side, put something soft under their head. Never like make sure there's nothing, like you said, around that they can hurt themselves on. Seizures take place a lot of different ways. Like the, they take a common form per individual. So the individual will do much the same thing during each seizure, but they're, they vary from person to person quite, um, quite severely. Like there was a teacher actually at my high school that was epileptic. And the way that his seizures manifested is that he just stopped. He would just stop talking for for a minute. He would be in the middle of a lecture and then his face would go blank and then he would come back. And it was like... Was he aware that time had passed? Yeah. The cop calls an ambulance, which is definitely what I would do and probably what you should do. But um, but I don't know that because I was listening. Um, so I, lis- I like the podcast, My Favorite Murder, and Karen Kilgariff, who's one of the hosts, has epilepsy. And she talks about um, having seizures, uh, not like uh, frequently, but sometimes it comes up. And she's once she made a joke about the fact that like, if she were, she had told all her friends in her twenties and thirties, like, if I have a seizure, do not call an ambulance. I'll get through it. It'll be over in a few minutes. And I can't afford the $5,000 price tag. Exactly. I don't have insurance. So if I start having a seizure, do not call an ambulance because I can't afford that ride. Um, that struggles so. for real. I, I'll say it to everybody right now. I can't afford an ambulance. <laughs> Please call me an Uber or something like that. If I'm this spurting the- blood out of somewhere, make sure to like put some uh, put a scarf around it and put me in an Uber. <laughs> you know what? The, this is the world we live in. This is the country we put, live in. Put me in one of them nice Ubers. Put me. Give me one of them. Uh, give me one of them tented windows uh, Ubers or yeah. SUV or something. Uber XL to adventure right here. If I am dying, do not Uber pool me. <laughs> no, I don't have time for an Uber pool. Come on. Got to, got to get to the hospital. I've never met anybody I wanted to die in front of in, inside of an Uber pool. <laughs> there. I said it. Yet? Yet. <laughs> uh, yes. So uh, I we smell a rom-com. Two. Okay. <laughs> Yes, so we're back at the home, and here's the the big, oft-discussed, big French meal. (laughs) Once discussed. (laughs) Once discussed. Uh, And the big gag is it's it's nouveau cuisine, so the portions are very, very tiny. Everybody's very excited, and uh, it's three things. Like, one of them's half a green bean and some mush and then a disc of something or another. I've eaten I've eaten yeah. fancy cuisine before and it's like they'll give you enough. They're not asking you to like, you know, here's a piece of lettuce, live on that. Anyway, yeah, also if it's, it's just it's, one or two bites, silly. there's usually gonna be seven or eight courses, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and, but and she's Willis like, says that's that it, that's all appetizer. you get. That's the whole meal. Wow. French yep. people 
So different. So then from he us. gets to say, "Where's the beef?" And everybody Holy laughs God. because nothing, <laughs> nothing is as funny as stealing an unrelated catchphrase from something else. Um, it, well, where's the yeah. look, look, Chelsea? You, I'm look. I'm not. I'm not trying to patronize you at all here. Uh, but where's the beef was not just a catchphrase. It was a phenomenon. Uh, I actually, that's very true. It was at a, a juncture of history. I like talking about history junctures a lot. Sure. It was where, you know, everybody was watching the same advertisements, but there were lots of them. And where's the beef took the fucking world by storm. Uh, one of the Greg kids had a where's the beef fucking t-shirt. <laughs> I believe I had in my sticker album, which is not a thing anymore. I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh God, I loved that. Fucking sticker albums. I had I had a pretty pretty kick-ass sticker album. I remember <laughs> one of my prized stickers was a big a big sticker with the "Where's the Beef Lady?" and it said "Where's the Beef?" and every time I looked at it, I would laugh for five minutes straight. Because uh, yep. we didn't understand what entertainment was. This Just is actually, imagining you lying beef? on your Alf beach towel, flipping through your sticker <laughs> album. Scratching and sniffing for the hundredth time. And then what? Where's the beef? Where is the beef? Oh. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> so yeah. now uh, uh, this is when we get the payoff to JC's call to pizza. When um, everyone agrees there's not been enough food, as delicious as it was, not enough food. And so um, they decide to go out for a pizza. Even uh, Kimberly, who made the meal, has to admit she's still hungry. So she and Willis and Pearl, the housekeeper, all go for pizza, leaving Dad Philip with uh, Sam and Arnold, who he comments have been pretty quiet today. He And also he notes that they have turned down pizza a red flag for any American yeah. child. Are you I'll, feeling I'll be honest okay? With you. Turn down for what? Turn down for pizza. Pizza. <laughs> Turn down for what? Pizza. Are you okay? <laughs> uh, this is the series of of statements that should happen. Turn down for what? Pizza. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I feel like even today, if I turn down pizza, like whole, if you're like, we're gonna order pizza, would you just like some pizza? I, and I'm like, no. Check on me, people. Something's wrong. Come find yep. me. Dad Philip is like, what's going on, guys? And they're, they say, you know, we went to the park today to tell Karen not to not to uh, look for us anymore because... Like, uh, like you said. Like you told us like to. Like you Dad. told us to. And then she had a seizure and they just keep saying how creepy it was. Like that is the yeah. word, they, the adjective they have chosen for this medical emergency was creepy. Um, and they keep talking about how creeped out they were. And dad Phillip says, you know, it's a neurological disorder. It's like a short circuit in the brain. It's not creepy. It's just a medical condition. Some people have, and both the boys are like a hard pass. Mm -hmm. I, we don't want to be her friend anymore. You've Uh -uh. done your job too well around. Yeah. He's like, I don't care what it is. I don't want to be around it anymore. And then like end the scene with, with, I think Sam going creepy. Like, yeah, guys, and he says, their cool dad's it. like, you should be more understanding. And they're like, nope, going, uh, gonna make sure we, uh, we never encounter this person again. Yeah, be more open-minded about that lady that I told you never to see again because <laughs> right. I don't know anything about her. When I thought she was just a poor person, I didn't want you yeah. hanging out with her. But now that I know that she's a poor person with a medical disability, you should have some compassion. <laughs> 
Yeah, now give a shit. She's the good kind but of also. poor person. So, let's go back to the park where there's fucking juggling and fucking shit. Yeah, so there's we get to sit through a third act. There's no point where we cut to Karen in the park and she's just passing the hat. Like, we have to sit through three separate acts. Yeah. And... Finally, the hat passing happens, and we find not Sam and Willis waiting to talk to Karen, but Dad Philip. Um, Philip, and he's he's like, "Wow!" Uh, he doesn't say anything about her act being very good, which I appreciate. Nope. Um, yeah, because that that is honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he says, "You know, I think you know my kids," and she says, "Yeah, I haven't seen them in a while," and he's like, "Yeah, they." Uh, you had an epileptic seizure in front of them and that was kind of hard on them. And she's like, Oh, was it hard on them? Really? Was, <laughs> yeah, my, was my seizure like a problem for them? Weird. He says, that. he says it caused a problem for the boys. And she's like, Oh really? You know <laughs> yeah. who else it caused a problem for me? Juggly Magoo. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. So she starts talking about how epilepsy has completely ruined her life. Uh, she says that it, it's ruined everything. Nobody hires her. That she used to be a kindergarten teacher, but then she had an epileptic seizure in front of her kids, and they suggested that she never come back. Which, Not the kids, the administration. The administration. And I feel Although, like I'm these sure the kids days, passed around a petition. Yeah, right. I feel like these days that would be covered under the Americans with Disabilities Act, and you couldn't. So. You couldn't ask someone. You can fire someone for having seizure. Also, seems yeah. like a real good uh, teachable moment for a bunch of five-year-olds to be like, "This is what How this is." Um, and she says, "I don't earn my living on the streets because I like it." And I was like, "You kind of seem to like it. Like you, you yeah, look like you're having into fun." Um, also, Are you just into the mustache there. Yeah. Ooh. Um, so yeah, she. She's going on and on about how, like, uh, this is not the life she wants and da-da-da. And two very well-dressed women think they're doing a public street theater performance and give her a bunch of money. So, sure, let's get another joke in here real quick because we're talking about something serious. So let's somehow undercut it with some poorly placed humor. Um, That is. And and let's let's pause on that because this is one of the, the tenets of Different Strokes where it's like, this is uncomfortable and we're trying to learn a lesson. Uh... But what about jokes? Don't we need jokes? Yeah, on and every so page, in, please. On Yeah, there's got to be a laugh no matter what. We can't have a serious moment that goes on too long, no matter what it costs our narrative. No matter we, what it costs this emotional moment, we need a joke. We also can't have a character be like, this is my lived experience. This is what my life has actually been like without Dad mm-hmm. Philip being like, Oh, but shouldn't you do this? And she's like, Lord, but yeah, this is, I'm just telling you my life. It's not a should or shouldn't. This is, it's not what has happened to me. Yeah. I'm not here for you to correctly tell me how I should have interpreted these things and how I should feel. This is, I'm just telling you I lost my job and this and that. So it, it makes the episode sort of shows you though, that he's on her side because the street performers, Come, I mean, the ladies that think that they are doing street theater come back yeah. and they're like, how long will you be here? And he's like, three more times. So you, there's this thing of like, he's trying to form an alliance with her, but sure. it isn't resolution to it. I mean, he also, he's a businessman. Could he not find a yeah. position for her if she really, how if he really thinks that she should have a job? Like, it's really weird how 
this whole the whole premise of this is there's a man with a bajillion dollars who takes pity upon two urban youth and brings them into his care and their lives are changed forever and then that's the end of his charity that's it he's done there's no other yeah, right. means of him to help anyone else whatsoever and the message of this show seems to be rich people you know, I'm sorry not to put too fine a point on it, but rich people are super important. They are the best of us. Yeah. And any advice they have to give us, which is always just, hey, maybe you should work harder, is sage advice. And we're lucky to, you know, even yeah. have gotten that. I just had an idea about how to fix this. So scrap the Nouvelle Cuisine French uh, B-plot bullshit. I, no, disagree. Okay, Chelsea, but <laughs> okay. you better have something just as good. I do. I fixed the whole thing. So Kimberly and Willis are both failing insert thing here. Um, Ooh, I see where you're Spanish. Going. They're both failing calculus or something. And then they Fine. find this busker and she didn't used to be a kindergarten teacher. She used to be a calculus teacher or something, something. And then dad Phillip is like, my kids need a tutor. It works. And yep. then that's how she restores her faith in herself. And she starts a very successful, you know, tutoring. Yeah. Business. And it's also like, okay, so if, if the confines of an eight to 3 PM job Monday through Friday are not conducive to like your neurological condition, then what about something where you like work for yourself and you set your own hours and like, you know, you're in people's homes and you're working one-on-one -on -one or two-on-one -on -one instead in front of 30 kids, you know, let's yeah. massage what you're good at and find a way to work within the framework that your brain has yeah. given you. No, we don't. And you still have the, the discussion later on of like resources for people with epilepsy. But then this, this, this episode ends with Willis and Kimberly going, that, she was so much fun and she made learning so, I'm, yes. I'm acting sure. Yes, that's She so made good. learning such a breeze. I can't wait to tell all my friends yeah. that they're going to, like the, the part of the plot is our teacher sucks. Yes. Our teacher just goes too fast and he's not fun. I'm going to tell everybody in our class about it. Then boom. Yeah. And then Someone when else we never see their... Karen again, no. when we never see Karen again on any episode forever, we don't assume she's in a ditch somewhere. <laughs> right. Or some, so one of their neighbors knocks in and is like, I hear your kids have the most amazing tutor. Does she have time to teach <laughs> little Angela? <laughs> I want somebody to knock on the door. Uh, is someone teaching calculus in here? <laughs> smells like I calculus. Could Did I hear calculus? I can smell calculus <laughs> from the third floor. Uh. Um, <laughs> I clutched my pearls and ran up here immediately. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so none of that happens. Let's go. It's a good let's, fix, I'm by sorry. The way. Yes. Honestly, well done. Andy and I can fix any episode of television, but none of that happened. All that happened is that that scene ends. Like, wins yeah. on the joke of uh, Philip pretending to be a street theater maker. So now we go back and to... It's the end of that act, so it seems like this is the main thrust of the episode, which is the line that ends it, if I'm remembering correctly, is, no matter what I say to those boys, they'll only remember me having a seizure forever. Yeah. So they we go back to the house where... The kids have gone from being weirded out by the epileptic seizure to being, being straight assholes. up cruel asshole monsters and telling a bunch of epileptic jokes, which I didn't even know was a was a kind of offensive joke that we had a catalog didn't, of. But didn't really, well, I do. I feel like the difference between our ages, as slight as it may be, uh, I, I've, I was on the tail end of this phenomenon, which is like, 
if there's anything that happens in the world or anything like that, where immediately there are a ton of jokes about it. I remember, I think I brought this up before, like right after the Challenger yeah. explosion, like the next day there were like a billion jokes. And I'm like, who's doing this? <laughs> who's, who is... Who's making these jokes? They're everywhere. <laughs> but this is the point that I want to bring up about different strokes and the problematic nature of different strokes. And one of the things that they don't have right about special episodes ever, and I don't know, I can't remember specifically when we ran into this before, but we will in the future. The kids are making disgusting jokes yeah. about people with epilepsy. They are, they make three jokes that I will not repeat. No, not repeating. Here's the thing. After every single one of the jokes, the audience is right there with them laughing yep. hysterically. And that's the problem is like you're letting, I think the basic thesis of my different strokes crazy board is you're trying to make a special comedy instead of a special episode. Yeah. You can't let go of the fact that it has to be super funny and that only leads to complete inappropriate moments. Yeah, because at some point, if you're trying to fill every scene with jokes, you end up making the person you're supposed to be teaching about the butt of the jokes. Right. I feel like they fixed this later on throughout the 80s with the character, and they do it a little bit here, but with the character who's the subject of the special episode making the jokes in a kind of I'm owning it kind of way. Like, yeah. I remember there was an episode about a, a blind woman. Uh, I think it's golden girls. It's a blind woman who somebody picks up from an airport and the end of the episode, she's like, wait, do you see me drive? And that's hilarious. Uh, well, you know, I mean, they do do that here thing. because later Karen will repeat yeah. one of the very jokes that they told. Exactly. Um, so right. they're making these jokes and they're rolling on the couch laughing and Pearl, the housekeeper is listening to all this. And we have a couple of reaction shots from her and we think, and she's horrified as anyone would be as any person yeah. listening would and should be. And finally she tells them to stop. And she says, not because they're being little assholes. She tells them to stop because she has epilepsy. And they're like, oh, if we had known, we would have made the jokes. And she, thank God, one thing yeah. happens in this episode I agree with. Really she goes, appreciate this. She's like, you shouldn't have made them anyway. You did, did, did just, <laughs> you can't you just. Fucking, <laughs> yeah. You can't just make sure like, hey, does anybody in here have epilepsy? All right, go time. All right, here we go. It's, right. All right. I got a million of them. Um, yeah, it's, I'm really glad that they included that line as well, where she's like, you shouldn't have done it anyway, jerks. You little assholes. So you pieces of shit, bougie children. <laughs> so she tells them she has epilepsy. It's mostly under control. She hasn't had a seizure in years because of medication. But when she was in her 20s, she had seizures a lot. She was the same age Karen is. She hadn't gotten it quite under control yet. And yeah. um, which sort of. She doesn't then follow that up with, for some people, it never gets, you know, like epilepsy is sort of, it manifests well, very differently in different people, but she's yeah. kind of, she sort of leaves them with the idea that like, oh, she'll grow out of it or like she'll get to a point later with medication where she won't have seizures anymore. Karen's, Karen's already said that. She's already said that it's mostly under control due to medication. The previous scene uh, when she's talking to dad, Phil, uh, she said, yeah, I haven't had a seizure in six months. I've just been under a lot of stress. And it's like. All right, but you know, yeah, let's she, not, let's not, it almost, it almost feels like you're blaming anybody who has seizures for not taking control of it. There is a little bit of that. And then also sort of maybe, um, 
playing into another common myth that is on the myth about uh, myths about epilepsy page, which is that only young people get epilepsy. And this says that epilepsy happens to people over age 65, almost as often as it does to children 10 and under. So it really um, seizures in the elderly are often um, brought on by other health problems like stroke and heart disease. But Mm. even with, um, it doesn't matter the age. And there's also another myth The now I'm sure stress exacerbates every condition in the body, but this is on the list. And since she said it, I feel like I should say um, that the list says people with epilepsy shouldn't be in jobs of responsibility and stress. That's a myth. People with seizure disorders are found in all walks of life. And we aren't always aware of them because many people even today do not talk about having epilepsy for fear of what others might think. But there is not, it's a myth that you shouldn't have a high stress job if you have epilepsy. This show is happening in 1985, which is too late for a show to be this Tone deaf. Yeah, this insensitive to its very, you know, the message that it's trying to get across. I, I, I wonder at the, the, the state of like, if they were just making it super basic because they were like, people probably don't know what epilepsy is or what, but it just feels like, I don't know. It does feel like we need to be debunking things. It does feel like that. Like, let's get the list Mm. of common things people think about epilepsy. And so, okay, so... They, the boys go back to see Karen. So this is what yeah. I'm calling the approaching the inmost cave. The, oh, the, if the I boys may, go back. Uh, yeah. Pearl does have a moment where she has a similar situation, which really bumped me out. She's like, I love being a housekeeper, but I studied to be a legal secretary. Yeah. But I couldn't get hired because of my epilepsy. So now I'm a housekeeper and I love it. And it's like, cool. Yeah. This is, this is a bummer, though. Yeah. Like, and, and also, this is a thing that wouldn't happen today because of... HIPAA violations. You can't ask someone if they have yeah. medical, you can't disclose that in a hiring process. Exactly. Um, so the, not that everything's fixed, but that is a thing where an employer couldn't look at your resume or call a reference and here you have epilepsy and be like, well, not hiring you oh, for yeah. that. Um, yeah. So the boys go back to see Karen in the park and they tell her not to give up on traditional employment. <laughs> They're basically like, well, Hey, okay. That happens right after they try to run away. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they tell her not to give up and run away from things right after they tried. They're like, this is scary. Let's go. And Karen has to stop her very lucrative mime (laughs) lion tamer act. (laughs) I've written. I've written. I hate this after everything (laughs) to do with her show. Just, I hate this. Um, yeah, she's in the middle of it, and it gets cut short, much to nobody's chagrin, because uh, <laughs> the boys start running off, and she's like, hey, wait a second, boys. And then she's like, oh, so you're about to run away. And they're like, yeah, kind of. And she's like, well, buzz off. <laughs> I, <don't laughs> I know. A lot of back and forth. Um, yeah. This is the point at which, if we were on any kind of, I mean, I guess the only journey that we could possibly be on is these boys trying to regain their friendship with this person that they clearly like. After realizing that she has epilepsy and we, the audience, are meant to see that epilepsy is not a thing that should make um, you prejudiced against a person or make a person. Uh, It's strange, though, because it would be a lot more convincing if this person could model like success or it could be like, look how I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm just spitballing here, but it's like, look at this this poor, sad 
depressed person who's given up on life because of their epilepsy. Shouldn't we continue to be friends with such a poor, depressing person? What else does she really have going on? It's like, and that's direct. It's a direct quote. They're like, well, if you're given up, you've lost our friendship. You were going to break, you were going to friend break up with her in act one. And then (laughs) you were about to leave now. And now you're threatening her with your friendship. Also, there's a moment in here where Karen uh, gestures broadly to the thing that she's doing here in the park, which is mime and shitty performance. Mm-hmm. And she's like, do you think you think this is what I went to college for? And I'm like, that's kind of what I went to college for. Yeah, it's a little bit what I went to college for. Kind of yeah. on the nose there, Karen. The boys uh, also say, uh, you know, we talked to our housekeeper about this, which is the fucking bougiest <laughs> thing. <laughs> the bougiest thing you can say to a person who's making their living as a street performer. They say, we yeah. talked to our housekeeper, Pearl, and she said that there are these organizations for people who have epilepsy and they have job placement and all these things. And I was like, why didn't you bring Pearl? Pearl couldn't get a few, uh, like an hour off to come with you uh, and be like, hey. She's got she's got cleaning duties. Yeah, clearly. Uh, Chelsea. Well, she runs out for pizza. And now pizza. that we know... <laughs> She does. That's why she needs to make up for the time now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I was like, maybe you could have brought Pearl. That would have been fun to watch someone be like, hey, I've, you know, I've struggled with what you're struggling with, and here's what I found yeah. helpful. No, we don't get any of that. Um, nope. And then, Sam is yeah. still fucking freaked out. I think that and, starts, and well, I think that the way we transition into the Supreme Ordeal, again, this is muddy, is that sure. they turn around and they say the immortal line, if you're not going to try, you've lost me and Sam as friends. And and she's like, yeah. hey, maybe I'll try. She like calls them back. And I'm calling that the supreme ordeal. She agrees to try. Sure. Sam is being a Call little it. dick through all of this. Sam how, sure. has been trying to leave as much as Arnold's been like, have you thought about this? Have you thought about organizations? Sam's like, let's go. Let's get out of here. I'm creeped out. I want to leave. And I was like, why is he acting like this? And then it's revealed it that really he, he thinks that she's contagious. No yeah. one in this whole time has told had this thought to tell him, not Pearl, not Dad Philip. No one has t- thought to tell the small child that he can't catch the seizure disease from the mime in the park. Um, and she explains to him, you know, it's not contagious. You can't catch it from me or from anyone else. And then he calms down. Yeah. Uh, send this to a, a couple of minutes in the past. JC's uh, burrito supreme ordeal. Um, thanks. And mm-hmm. yeah, they're like, we were talking earlier about this swallowing your tongue phenomenon. That used to haunt me as a kid. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Rogers very famously wrote a, a very cute song about how you cannot accidentally go down the drain in your bathtub when the water is being drained. It's a cute song. Never go down the drain. It's like, great. There was a kid who wrote him and said, I'm freaked out about that. And he's like, let's fucking sing about it. Then you you dumb little shit. I was afraid as a child of being sucked into the pool drain. And that's why I was, I was afraid of the deep end because I was afraid that if you got too close, the drain would suck you in. And I think once I dove too deep and I opened my eyes and I was right by the drain and I was freaked out and oh. I was like oh it's not pulling me nothing's happening yeah well, I'm okay I I had older siblings so a lot of the things that I was afraid of were like something like that would have been like oh don't go by the pool drain or it'll suck you and you'll die was just like an offhanded comment <laughs> yeah right. uh, older older siblings offhanded comments weeks of terror <laughs> yeah um 
So this is my favorite ending to an episode ever. Uh, she says that if she's going to get a new job, she won't need her costume. So she turns Sam into a little Hitler and they wander <laughs> away. Yep. They duck waddle <laughs> away, Charlie yeah. Chaplin style. As By after- which I mean she takes off her mustache and puts it on Sam. Yes. Who's now just wearing a Hitler mustache. Sure. Without Everybody, the rest. Just a Hitler mustache. Yeah. Without now. the cane and baggy pants for context. Just a Hitler nope. mustache on a little redheaded kid. Just a little. Just a little Hitler. And she says, uh, or they go back. This is how we know that the community is healed as they, they repeat their refrain, no Pinocchio. And they talk about yep. going to see a movie because Sam's going to want to see Pinocchio again. So what? And Sam says, man, not seeing Pinocchio makes me furious. Oh, furious. if only yeah. his pun game were Absolutely. that strong. Truly. Let me put on mine comfortable shoes and let's go to a movie. Mine comfortable shoes. Yeah, it's pretty good. There it I've is. I've got two of them. There it um, is. <laughs> so yeah, and that's shoes. that's it. Uh, uh, Karen seems to be changed here into believing that she can get a bold new job with the help of these resources. After kids who didn't really want anything to do with her told her that. If she didn't do it, they wouldn't want anything to do with her. Yeah. This, yeah, this wasn't storyboarded. <laughs> There's, there was this, this is, I don't know. This is late. This is the season finale of season seven. I got to imagine they're just like, oh, just put it up. Just do that. It's fine. Cause it's just, it's, it's just doesn't make a lot of sense to be perfectly honest. Yeah. It's also like, did we do as much harm as good here? In terms of like the very specialing, because yeah. I, we we did. I mean, unequivocal good are we told we told people to turn a person having a seizure onto their side. Correct. That is good. Yeah. We had Pearl say the line: "You shouldn't tell jokes about people, even if there aren't people like that in the room. Just that's how you that, are. You that's that? how you're a decent. You hear human that being. Republicans? Do you hear that Republicans? <laughs> um, and then." Yeah. I mean, those were the two moments where I was like, yep, that was good. Let's do that more. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'll, I, again, I'm the first to call this a very misguided episode. Um, but I will say that taken on the whole with other episodes that dealt with seizures, it did help to normalize it. This, this talks about what must have been at least a concern to people with seizures, especially women, I'm assuming, with seizures or people of color with seizures who have trouble, you know, in the 80s securing decent employment anyway. Yeah. Um, it's anything that helped normalize this, you know, essentially normal uh, affliction yeah, is a positive. It just isn't done very well, but at least it's like, hey, this is a thing. Don't fucking freak out about it. Don't be a Sam. Be a... Arnold, but just right at the end. Yeah, and also, like, they still made it seem kind of exotic. It's strange sure. that of the four people they know, now two of them have epilepsy. That's, um, that is that is a bit problematic in the message department where it's like, oh shit, how many people do I know? It right. seems like two out of every six people has epilepsy. But it do is I true that about one in 100 people has epilepsy. It is very sure. common, and I feel like they... They could have made that point a little clearer and also that like that it manifests in different ways. So just because you 
just because a person doesn't have the kind of seizures you, that you've seen before doesn't mean that that person doesn't have epilepsy. The thing that I most heard is that you should put something in a person's mouth. And I, I yeah. really wish that they had debunked that because I feel like that's a thing a kid is likely to try to do. It's still, it's still being thrown around on TV now, jokingly, but um, I was watching an episode of The Office the other day where Stanley's having a heart attack and Michael puts his wallet in Stanley's yep. mouth. Yep. It's still like a thing that people do and it doesn't make Now, any Michael's an idiot and you're not supposed from. to do anything Michael, Michael does. Sure. But, but the fact that it's still... You know, something that anyone in the world might believe. Yeah. It hasn't been, like, formally debunked, to be honest. There's never been, like, a push to make sure people know that that's not a thing. I feel like we've also... We didn't debunk the don't put anything in their mouth myth. We also didn't... We didn't debunk the these people can't have stressful jobs. Because it's sort yeah. of like... She's like, this, well, I mean, this was brought on by stress. And then Pearl is like, it's a good thing I don't work at a law firm. Not, she doesn't say that, but the idea being like, you know, being a housekeeper is much less stressful than being in a professional environment. So this works for me. It's, it's, I'm definitely giving this like a C on like it's message delivery, but I'm also saying that 1985, just the way this episode is written, it doesn't seem like they know anything about epilepsy. (laughs) It's like, it's brand new. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. They hadn't even invented ghosting yet. So how could they know about epilepsy? Yeah, it's true. Um, oh, no, that's not true. D.B. Cooper invented ghosting. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> the master ghoster. He's still our... He's it wasn't perfected until the recent, the recent years. Oh, I feel like one thing that people know about epilepsy um, that is true, but is not true in every case, is um, that see, some people are photosensitive. Like um, strobe sure. lights will trigger seizures. Well, that's the... The biggest thing that people know about epilepsy these days on a daily basis is, you know, in the beginning of some shows and some theme parks, it's like there are strobe effects that may cause epileptic seizures. Yeah, but only around 3% of people with epilepsy are photosensitive, interestingly. Um, I think that's one of those things where it was a huge news article item uh, in the 90s, maybe the aughts, where there was a Japanese television show that was giving people seizures, and they were like, oh, we've got to put warnings on these now, which I don't disagree with, but I think that's why it happened, is because there was a, a TV show that was you know, pretty across the board in Japan giving people seizures. Okay, yeah, oh, People gosh. who were photosensitive epileptics is what I'm saying, not just right. like... Anybody in the world. Conclusively, here are the things to do if someone has a convulsive seizure, like we saw in this episode. Stay calm and stay with them. Make sure they're in a safe place where they can't hurt themselves. Cushion their head with something soft. Turn them on their side. Note the time the seizure starts. And then it says to call an ambulance if the seizure goes on for more than five minutes or if their breathing is difficult after the seizure has stopped. Um, this, this thing that I'm reading from the Epilepsy Society of the UK does not say to call an ambulance immediately. That's interesting. Wait, fi- see if it goes on longer than five minutes. All right. Okay. Well, they must know because they have free health care there. So mm-hmm. they have like a whole society. Protect, they're not trying to protect their, their UK versions of Karen Kilgariff yeah. or Andy. <laughs> or anyone. Uh, yeah. Or anyone. All right. So, well, yeah. let's see. Go. Who well, do you want to hug? Oh... Pearl. I want to hug Pearl. Yeah, I want to hug Pearl, too. I want to hug uh, Mary Jo Catlett, if I'm not mistaken, that's her name. 
I might be wrong about that. Um, who, when I worked in casting, I had the opportunity to speak with her because she was cast on a movie I was working on, and she was delightful. Uh, anyway, I wanted to hug uh, both the character of Pearl and the actor who plays Pearl because that's kind of a shitty thing to, like, shove on somebody where it's like, you have this tragic backstory, but it, you're happy about it somehow. Just just yell at kids. Bye. Right. It all worked That's out for that. the best. Um, yeah. I definitely want to... You're serving wanna... a rich person. <laughs> right. Um, you get to uh, be the pseudo-parent figure for these kids, and you're not paid for that part of your job, and yet... Um, yeah, so I want to hug her, and uh, what did you learn? I learned to turn, turn someone on their side. I, I had not heard that That's... specifically before, and there then I was go. happy to confirm it with um, the websites that I was reading. So I will say I learned I... that. That is good. I also learned that. I would assume, since I'd never heard it before, like anything in these episodes, if it sounds dubious, I'm like, well, they were probably wrong. So it's nice that they got something right, and I actually did legitimately learn something from a show that we watched. So congratulations to hey, us. And this is me. a real punky moment. This punky is usually the only one where moments. I learn anything. <laughs> truly. Truly, truly. We got to do another punky episode soon. Uh, awesome. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for joining us as we looked at another Different Strokes episode to uh, further my study and theories <laughs> and what eventually will be, I'm sure, a money-making thesis that I sell. Oh, 100%. Thesis people at the thesis <laughs> store. The thesis brokers, you know. Um, well, this is it, uh, everyone. Oh my God. Goodbye forever. <laughs> that's that's going to be the exit of our show. <laughs> Goodbye forever. Stay, uh, stay indoors. See you next time. Bring snacks. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Hugging and Learning. If you want to visit us online, our website is huggingandlearning.com, where you can find links to all the articles we talked about today, as well as our post office box where you can mail us snacks. Subscribe to our podcast, rate and review, and tell your friends about us. If you want to drop us a line, you can email us at huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail.com. You can tell us about the experiences you've had with things we talked about. Or you can send us suggestions on which episodes we should do next. Our podcast is produced by Miles Pulaski, who also wrote our theme music. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chelsea. See you next time. Bring snacks! <laughs>